1: Hola, Mujerones. Welcome back to the Mujeron podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. I have a very special guest. Her name is Valeria Aloe. She is the founder of Abundancia Consciente and author of the new book, Uncolonized Latinas, a roadmap for Latina immigrants and daughters of immigrants to unlearn limiting cultural beliefs and thrive in a new academic and professional spaces. This is definitely a topic that comes up time and time again for us first generation and Latinas in general. So I'm super excited to bring today this guest and the topic that we're going to be talking about today is the three cultural limiting beliefs holding Latinas back from professional and personal success. If you resonate with this at all, please stay tuned because Valeria is going to just also give us some things that we can do in order to come out of this and just reach that success that we're all looking for. Valeria, muchas gracias. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia Alejandra, for having me. Super excited. Muchas gracias. Gracias por estar aquí. Gracias por representar a todas las Latinas. With your new book i know that it's an accomplishment and i like to always say if one latina is succeeding it's like all of us are succeeding because we know that we need more women of color more latinas in those spaces as an author i just want to say thank you for taking the courage to go after your goals and and to publish this book thank you thank you so much
2: and it's true when we all you know when one of us rises we all rise When one grows, we all grow and only 4% of all authors are Latinas. So if you're listening to this, really consider becoming an author because we need more Latinas to bring, you know, our voices, our culture into the publishing world.
1: Wow, 4%. If that's not a reason for you to really just go after that goal, if that's something that you've been thinking about. We truly, like we said, need more Latinas in those spaces. Valeria, I would like for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to this moment of writing Uncolonized Latinas. So I was born in Argentina
2: and small town, first generation to college, first generation to a corporate world. And I had to pave my own way financially even, emotionally and financially, because my parents had not been in those spaces and could not afford at the time to pay for my education. I came to the US uh, 20 years ago for an MBA and I continued my corporate career. In 2016, I burnt out. I'm a mother. I have kids who are now 14 and 13. And as a first generation, I really wanted to succeed by I succeeded out of adrenaline and sacrifice, working really hard. That's the only way that I knew. And I burned out in 2016. And I stepped out of my corporate career and embarked on some sort of soul searching like, what do I want to do with my life? Because I was feeling miserable. Having beautiful, healthy children, a husband, a home, a job all this education, these accomplishments, I felt very empty inside. Mm -hmm. So I said, what can I do that really ignites my life and that I wake up in the morning loving what I do? That's what I I was searching for. And I just was invited to an event in the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce here in New Jersey. I attended the event. It was the first time that I was immersed in our community. I was usually the only Latina in the room, you know. So the, the first time, and I fell in love with our people with who we are that was maybe uh, five years ago I had been in the U.S. for 15 years 15 years in the U.S. not entirely connected to our culture not feeling belonging as a Latina Um, so that was a, a, a discovery for me like an awakening and I started to actually the chamber called me to lead an educational program for entrepreneurs which I did and that was a huge immersion in our Mindset and how we do things and how, and I could also observe how we limit ourselves because we are so passionate, driven, resourceful, but still we are not in spaces of power, of leadership, of decision making. Our wealth creation is behind, we make less money. So there are all these gaps that I started to see, why is this happening? And I I started to do research and read and interview people, talk to people different you know immigrants and also children of immigrants uh, people who own their businesses people in corporate careers and this passion for writing all of these and sharing this with the world you know was warning me and that's how the idea of uncolonized latinas came up essentially through my own experience and immersion and love for our community
1: wow that's amazing and i feel that it happens so often where we don't find that community right and we don't feel identified and i think when we finally find that place it's almost like being home it's yeah. almost like finding your 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 group of people that understand you so from your story and from being here and being able to work in corporate and and seeing everything that kind of happens to us, I'm sure that you found that a lot of these limiting beliefs and a lot of these things that hold us back come from our culture. So let's jump into those three things that you found and you want to share with us today.
2: Yes. So essentially, by looking into how we hold ourselves back, I discovered that it's not only me going through those experiences. I discovered that it was going happening to everybody around me. So that's mm-hmm. when I said, this is cultural. This is, this has to come from our Latin American culture. And so the three ways, the, the most important ones, because I, I took a look behind the scenes, like I removed the curtain and I looked at, you know, what is it behind the curtain that we don't talk too much about. And we don't talk about it because we believe we are the only ones going through that but we are not. So we need to talk about this. It's uncomfortable, it's new, but we need to give a voice to these issues. I would say, I don't want to even use the word issues. These beliefs, uh, these are realities. These are you know ways of seeing the world that we inherited. We need to take a look at them because they really do not match with the opportunities that we have in the US, which are huge. And so we need to upgrade our belief system. So the, the three ones are our sense of lack, Our cultural silence and our internal fights with the gender roles, and I can cover one by one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our sense of lack as Latinos comes because, in a nutshell, uh, and I have laid out this in the book, I had to, I I have never been like a history lover, you know, and I had to work with other Latino PhDs to understand how history had an impact on our current mindset. Mm and to really understand the historic events. But in a nutshell, our sense of inferiority or lacking is rooted in the fact that we come from colonized countries. And when you are a colonized country, and when you grew up in a culture that tells you that you are a third world country, that you are inferior, that what you have to contribute is not so important, that you do not matter so much, that gets ingrained in the DNA of the culture. And that's be- that becomes part of the collective thinking and the collective, even subconscious. So when as immigrants, like in my case, and you know, the experience of the parents of many in the audience, when we come to the US as an immigrant, you feel inferior. You're in, in the first world economy. This is the US. And so you feel like small and you feel that you have nothing to contribute in a way or what you have to contribute is not, Really important for others that the system is not ready to embrace what you want to offer, and many professionals had to start from scratch in this country. From scratch, they had a profession back home, and they had to start from scratch. Or many immigrants who endure situations of trauma and poverty coming in. You know all that trauma, all that the situations of um, even domestic abuse that our community has gone through gets really embedded in this mindset so we go into these new spaces as first generation latinas and we feel that we are not up to that we are not up to par that we are somehow lacking because the collective message that we receive growing up is that our world culture is, is inferior right that's what it is so that's one so how do we change that right we change that by becoming conscious like in the moment, this is in the little moments. If you're in a meeting, if you're in a situation in a doctor's office, whatever that is that you feel uncomfortable, you need to tune in and stop and say, I'm okay. This is a belief that I'm working on. I'm learning how to, you know, undo and learn uh, this mindset. I'm okay. I'm this is okay. I'm going to be okay. And that really worked for me because when I was particularly I can share with you the most uncomfortable for me or or the strongest feeling of lack was when I was in these corporate tables surrounded by professionals and I felt so self-conscious and so insecure about what I was going to say that I I found myself rehearsing in my mind what I was going to say many times before speaking up and then somebody else said that so I lost my chance you know so a lot of frustration as well but something that really helped me to overcome this is to have that compassion for myself first the compassion and to create new affirmations in my mind so instead of saying to myself "Ah, I never know what to do I am a good for nothing you know nothing works for me I always make mistakes change the internal narrative you know have that compassion say it's okay and then say, I am learning to do the best that I can. I am resourceful.
1: I am powerful. I can do this. Wow. You know, there's two things that stood out from what you said right now, and you shared. One is how we see a lot of professionals come from Latin America and work jobs that have nothing to do with their profession. Um, You know, whether they're you know, cleaning houses or whatever it is. And it's not a bad job, right? But it's like they went to school, invested all this money, and they come here and pick up jobs like that. Another thing that stood out was how we see the ones that come from poverty, right? And they come here to the US. And they are the hustlers, right? The work, 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 they never take vacation. That's my father. Mm -hmm. And i i kind of want you to elaborate a little bit on how does that get passed down to us first generations how how do those ideas um maybe you know being in the space where you were talking about being with surrounded by professionals we've never seen our family in those spaces so we almost feel like it's foreign like you know we we're the first ones there so it's kind of intimidating can you tell us a little bit more about that
2: Yeah, and that's. thank you for asking that question. It's fascinating, and it's about brain research and how the belief system gets set. In essence, your belief system, which is essentially the lenses you have to see the world and to also see what's possible for you, it gets quite set by the time you're in puberty. So whatever experiences you had, let's say up until 12 to 15 years, whatever life experiences you have, are going to determine the way you think and act in the future. So if you were raised in a family where there was poverty, there is a chance that you have a mindset that making money is not for you, that making money is not a possibility, um, that making money has to come with sacrifice, that making, you know, that making money is not something possible for you in your life to achieve, that you will have to endure poverty or struggle. If in your, you know, childhood, your parents did not have access to opportunities, like my parents, my mom, extremely brilliant. She could never go to college. She had to take a job back in Argentina in a place where she was the smartest in the room, but she was not the owner. (laughs) She was an employee, an assistant, right? So I grew up believing that that was what I was going to have to do. I, I thought growing up that I was going to have to work for others, and that my genius would never be able to be expressed fully uh, because the opportunities will be limited. That's what I grew up thinking. I never saw myself leading or being at a table, leading a discussion or presenting a project. That was not what we did in my family or the women in my family did. So what happens is your mind or your belief system gets set based on what you have seen, heard, and experienced growing up, up until 12 to 15. So look at your life now and look at your life and the life of your family when you were, you know, from three, four, five years old to 12 to 15, very different from today. So that's when the belief system starts to clash with the reality and the possibilities that open up for you today. So what to do about this? There's hope. There is something called neuroplasticity. That is, we can retrain the brain. We can create new pathways in the brain. So this is what people call also the growth mindset. You can change your life, but it starts with the mindset. It starts within. That's what we need to do. We need to realize that we have, I, you know, I don't want to age myself, a cassette. We have a CD, an MP3 running in our brain. And we need to, to be aware of the, the narrative, the internal talk. We need to stop it and change that cassette, that CD, that MP3 for one that is more supportive of what we want to create. That's essentially how it gets set by.
1: Yeah, there's so much power in that, in like just the way we talk to ourselves, what we think, what we write down, right? I love all of this because I can truly relate to that mindset. And as you're explaining this, I just think about, uh, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and share making money for me has been something that I feel like has been ingrained that it has to be very hard work lots of hours you know very physical work because my my parents they have their own business but it's a lot of physical hard work yes so Now being an an entrepreneur and doing this type of work where I host events and do courses and do a lot of virtual stuff, it's almost like funny to think that you can literally sit here in your home and create content and make money, right? And I think that a lot of times it's hard to explain to your parents what you do because it's so foreign to them. So I thank you for sharing that because I truly can relate to that. Yeah. And, you know,
2: I come from the same background. My father also said money is always hard. You know, it's it's very hard for our family to make money. We don't have many opportunities. So he used to say that. And that's what I grew up with. And all the opportunities that I created because doors open for me. I studied really hard and I worked really hard and doors open And when I started to make money, I started to feel guilty. So Mm -hmm. that's what also happens is that when you are not, you know, you start wondering either something really bad is going to happen. Like when money starts coming in and it's relatively easy or without sacrifice as it's meant to be, you're like, something is wrong. Hold on. This is supposed to be hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be hard. What's going on? This is something is really wrong here. This may not last or something really bad may happen or then you feel guilty and you say, oh my gosh, this is not supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be hard like my parents and you start feeling guilty about making money. So that's where we need to catch ourselves is, is usually how when we feel uncomfortable with something that we need to go deeper and see what's the root of this feeling or thought that I'm having that is not working for me, that makes me uncomfortable. And I bet you it comes from our upbringing and how our parents... So the world, which is in turn the way our grandparents saw the world. So we, in essence, see the world in the same way or, or influenced by the way that people a couple centuries back saw the world. It gets passed on from generation to generation. But I believe now we are in this consciousness, um, very different consciousness. We are now compared to a few generations ago where we can really be aware And that awareness and that observation of your inner life is what creates the space to make the change. Our parents went on. They didn't have all this information we have. They kept doing it. It was not the best. They sacrificed themselves so much and they didn't have this awareness and these tools that we have now to really work with us, right? Even going to therapy for our parents was for locos. Eso es para locos. We know now that therapy allows, you know, or whatever you do, journaling, meditation, whatever you do, taking a walk in nature allows you to have that space within yourself so that you can take a look and see all these patterns and start making changes.
1: Yes. And it's truly up to us to kind of cut the cycle here and now bring these new ideas for our children so that then they can have a better experience. Right. So I want to jump on to uh, number two. Culture of silence.
2: Calladita te ves más bonita. Mm -hmm. We heard that in multiple versions, like only adults have an opinion here. What do you know? Kids don't know anything. You are too bossy. You have too many opinions. So we heard this in multiple ways. We come from a culture of silence. We were taught that we need to keep our heads down, work really hard, and somebody will notice and reward us for us. It doesn't happen that way. That doesn't work. Putting your head down on just doing the work or just being thankful for what you have is really limiting yourself from many opportunities for growth, for wealth, and from a better lifestyle. So our culture is a culture where asking for what you need is uncomfortable. Our culture is a culture where talking about your victories and the work you do and you do well is considered show off. Tooting your own horn is like not something that Latinos usually do. <laughs> so the invitation today is to break through that pattern of silence. And this has many layers. It's, as I said before, it's about talking about the great work you do. We are very shy about sharing social media, the work we do, you know, the re- the good value we bring to our spaces, to our jobs, to our family, to our community. We are shy to do it in social media. We are very shy to do that in the office. We are very shy to do that with our manager. So something that I can share that I learned from one of the Latinas I interviewed for my book, I love what she said. She, she's an executive. She, she is an immigrant. She grew up in her career significantly. And she said, I have always been very intentional to reserve 20% 20 of my time in the office to talk about the projects that my team is working on and to share the victories, the good things that we are achieving. And also she writes everything down, everything, so that when she has a performance review, everything is fresh and she can remember the great work she does. But it's not just that point of the performance review, but all the work she does weekly. Right And and she said, it's very uncomfortable in the beginning. We are not taught to do that, but we have to. And the second layer here, which is so important today is asking for what you need to succeed. Part of that, as Latinas, we know we make less money than other, other groups. There is a statistic that shows that Latinas make half the money that a white man makes, half. This year more than ever, we need to ask for a salary increase, why? We have an inflation of seven to 8% this year, which is the highest inflation the US experienced in like 30 to 40 years. Very high inflation. So this means that the cost of living will increase, right? And that your salary will fall behind. So it was already low with inflation will fall behind. So the challenge is to ask for your salary increase. Super important for Latinas that we do that. We need to break through that barrier that we have, that barrier about this is what I, I need, this is what I deserve. This is the great value that I'm bringing. You know, this is the market value for the work that I do and really assertively, and this is for another entire hour, how to ask for money, but it's in your mindset, you need to ingrain that you deserve to make more money. That is okay to ask and that you will find a way to figure out how to ask it and when is the right time, but it's super important that we start doing
1: that. Yes, that's so important. And you know, what's funny, um, I wanna share this. So I also help my parents with their family business. Yes. And one of the things that I realized since starting to work is there's a lot of customers that we've had for a very long time that we you know, don't increase the price. And I think that this has been very difficult and I see it, you know, with, with them as well and how that also gets passed down to us, right. On how we have to just ask for that raise, because like you said, you know, it's, it's already in the way in the cost of living, like even there, it's, it's so important for us to do that. So I'm, I'm very glad you mentioned that Any ways that you would recommend on how to start that conversation in the workplace? Yes. First of all, particularly for first generation
2: Latinas, meaning children of immigrants, I want to remind you that most probably based on the research research that I did, most probably you were a translator for your parents. Most probably you had to grow up um, helping your parents navigate the system right and being a voice for your parents so you have a voice you have it that develops a skill I know that it's hard as a child to grow up to be forced to grow up and face those situations that are not comfortable and to be an adult too soon let's say right to to be like a like to mother your own parents in a way but look at that as um it, it gave you the skills to speak up for others uh it gave you a skill from a very young age to advocate for others so embrace that we don't talk about that in in our culture and but that's a super important skill that children who grew up as first generation developed that they may not be aware they have so in the same way that you advocated for others you can advocate for you now to advocate for you will take self-love that's a step number one you need to love yourself so much that you will not allow for, I would say unfairness to keep happening, right? Um, You need to love yourself so much that you will speak and advocate for yourself, but also in a way that is extremely assertive. So you need to have the information. And by that, I mean, list out all your values, what makes you you, what makes you unique and why people in your company or in your work or your clients, why they appreciate you. What is that? Is it trust? Is it you know, communication? Is it quality of the work you do? Whatever that is, make a list. Second, make a list of your most recent, maybe the last year's success stories. Good things that you created, great results that you got, make a list. Third, figure out your market value. So if you're a professional, now there is a lot of information out there that you can research. It's harder when you're a business owner. But honestly, what I do for my business is I ask people. I Honestly, I contact people over LinkedIn, ask for 20 minutes. And if the energy flows, I end up saying, hey, I was planning to do this workshop and I was planning to charge this. Is this something that is in your ballpark of what the market pays, you know? And they give you all of the information. Oh, no, no, that's t- that's too low. You need to charge 40% more. So it's just a, it, this is about building relationships, right? Talking to people and gathering that information. People are extremely willing to help. So once you have those three, right? Looking into your own value, what makes you unique, looking into your success stories of the last year and looking your, into your market value, it's time to have the conversation. The way that worked for me and every person may be different, is I sat down with my boss and I'm very numbers oriented. So I showed him like on paper, the math between my market value from five different sources, all of them high, I averaged them. (laughs) And then I compared to my own salary. And I said, listen, I did some due diligence, this position, this is what this position is paid, right? And I, but I start the conversation like this. You know, I would love to talk about my performance. Are you happy with my work? Are you happy with what I'm doing? And if you did your homework, that conversation already happened because you are booking 20% of your time to talk to your boss and say, listen, this project, this is what happened. This is a success story we got, but it's never too late. But always start the conversation with the positive, right? Allow the person to see the great value you bring and then have the information to do your ask. And that's how I did it. I did it with a piece of paper saying, listen, and it has to come from the heart. Don't, don't, you know, don't feel uncomfortable. Practice before you go. Practice with somebody that you consider your tribe. And it has to come from the heart. You know, I I love working here. I really appreciate being part of this team. I would really love to be considered for a salary increase. So I did my own homework. This is what I have seen. Do you think that's a possibility for the company? Don't make it about the person. Can you give me a raise? No. Do you think this is a possibility for the company? So it takes that pressure off your manager, right? A little bit. And that's how I have approached it. You know, that's my, that has been my, my way. But I went seven years without asking for a salary increase. So I'm not the best example here. Eh? Seven. <laughs> So I would say, if you're listening, contact people that you know and trust and ask them, how do you think I could go about asking for a salary increase? Or what works for you when you ask for a salary increase? How do you do it? Do your research. See what happens.
1: Yeah, but these are great tips. Even with that, (laughs) (laughs) I feel that sharing even the, the person that you said that you interviewed, how they made sure to always bring up their wins, right? How can you really celebrate your wins and keep track of that? It will really help you when you do initiate this conversation. Okay, Valeria, so let's go to number three. El más jugoso, gender roles.
2: So how that limits limits our success. You know, um, many of us, myself included, grew up in a family where I was the first one to go into a job a profession a career my mom yes yeah, she had a position you know but then she it was part-time and then she stepped out mine was more like a formal career with a progression and then i became a mother and i struggled because culturally i was supposed to be the one staying home and i had a struggle with that my husband continued his career i stayed home and i felt i need to do something with my talents, like I just enjoyed being around adults, but I had such a hard time leaving my kids in a daycare. So I was, I realized now looking back that I was trying to to check all the boxes. I was trying to be the perfect professional full-time job. And I was trying to be the perfect mother, the perfect wife, thinking that I had to even cook hot like meals every night. How is that even possible? So much pressure on myself, right? And I chose to have a, like a consulting role in which I could have more flexibility and to stay more with my kids. And I started to balance that, but I, I burned out. I ended up with a burnout. Because I even with that, I pushed myself very hard with no compassion. So the gender roles in our society are very pervasive, particularly for us stepping first time in our families into these professional spaces and careers. And it takes really a lot of courage to listen to your heart and follow what you want to do. It takes courage because there will not be a perfect solution. Um, We all know that as mothers, we feel guilty. (laughs) If you're all the time with your kids, you feel guilty that you are not bringing money home. If you're all the time working, you feel guilty that you're not with your kids and everything in between can generate that guilt too. So this is about being aware that we were not culturally influenced to really to to, to decide what's best for us. Our culture told us that we had to be the mother, the woman, the wife, the housekeeper, uh, the one who makes the food. And now also the one who goes work and is the leader uh, leads the meeting, has a project that, you know, super important. This is too much. So whatever works for a person is unique. My personal experience may not work for others. So this is all about tuning in, being courageous and decided deciding what your heart tells you to do. And that will be the best avenue. I can also... The only thing that I can share that is powerful to me is that by trying to do it all, I ended up burning out and I forgot to take care of myself. So one thing that I can share with you from all of this experience, whatever your heart calls you to do, always take care of yourself first. You know how it is when you go in the plane that they tell you put your oxygen mask first and then help a kid or help another person? That's what I had to learn by burning out. I had to go through an experience that was traumatic that had me stop, and I blessed that experience because it forced me to stop for the first time. But my learning was, I must, it's not an option. I must take care of myself because if I'm as a mother, I'm sick, everything falls apart around me, everything. And it's not because my husband doesn't help. We divide 50-50, we do divide. But there is this about Latinas and our role as mothers that we are the emotional pillar of our family we are so when we start to fall apart people around us don't know what to do and they panic in a way even husbands (laughs) so (laughs) so that's why it's extremely important to if one thing from today is do something for today that allows you to have space for you sleep more hours eat healthy food do exercise do something that spiritually nurtures you love yourself today and let today be the first day of a new life where you are at the center that's not being selfish that's not being selfish that's being responsible so that that's the invitation that's from my lesson of you know burning out and my kids are older now but that has been a struggle it's still a little struggle i have to say constant balancing act work family, you know, yes, constant every day.
1: Yes, I love that. I I am truly in that transition right now of really navigating through how can I still continue my career and, and still be in the life of my baby and make him a priority, but also take care of ourselves. And I feel like I go back to that place time and time again of how if we are not okay, then We will not be the best mother, the best wife and the best sister, daughter, whatever it is that we have on our many hats that we wear. So I truly appreciate that invitation. And Valenia, I want to thank you so much for being here today and talking to us today and sharing all of these great nuggets. Where can people find you on social media and your website? So I'm very active in Instagram, Valeria
2: Aloe underscore author, also pronounced Valeria Aloe underscore author. Um, and then my website for my book, uncolonizedlatinas.com. That's where you will find more about the book and what this is about, you know, and that's where I am mostly. And something else that I wanted to say is, Our culture didn't teach us that it is okay to be at the center of our lives. And that's what I believe is a big calling we're receiving now, that it is okay to make ourselves the center of our lives. So this is your life. How do you want to live your life? And it's listening to the heart and following the heart. And each person has a different path. We need to honor that. There is not one recipe that will work for everybody. Uh, it's, It's listening in making the time to connect with you. You are the most important person in your life. Connect inside and follow your
1: heart. Make yourself happy. No one else will. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And there you have it, Mujerones. Please make sure you follow Valeria. I will link all of her information on the show notes. Thank you again. Make sure you guys buy the book. (laughs) And uh, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. Gracias. Thank you for having me. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias, Mujerones, for tuning in. Please let us know if this episode is something that you resonated with on our Instagram. And we will talk to you guys
0: next week. Mujerón, thank you so much for tuning in to another episodio of the Mujerón podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dream.